And a warm welcome to the afternoon show, Bill Arnold. Thank you for uh, being with me today. I am looking forward to this hour as we are going to start a brand new series on the subject of prayer. When we started a series, I don't know, probably in the summertime, Dr. Peter Kapsner and myself wanted to tackle salvation and and do as deep of a dive as we could. And I think after about nine or 10 weeks, we came to a logical place where we thought, let's move to prayer because there's probably uh, more people that are interested in in prayer, because there's a lot of faithful listeners that are already saved, which is wonderful. But there's 10 great uh, weeks that you can binge listen to on the website. If you go over to myfaithradio.com, if you take a road trip, you can just listen to like 10 hours of salvation from amazing guests. And we're going to start today talking about prayer. Peter, welcome to the show. Thanks, Bill. And our special guest, uh, we're going to bring him on in just a minute, is uh, Daryl B. Harrison, who is part of our Salvation Series. Yeah, great guest. Oh, just amazing. Just amazing material, yeah. So we went to the bullpen, and we thought, let's uh, let's bring Daryl out right away. Yeah, he could come out every game, as far as I'm There's concerned. No he really question. could. Yeah, There's no he question. Can, he can close the deal every time. But because we are uh, talking about the subject of prayer, and I know it's I'm doing this a little bit uh, selfishly, I have to agree, I've got a high degree of selfishness, because I, I personally want to recharge or recalibrate my prayer life because uh, I want to go deeper than ever before. I want to find layers of authenticity that I've never discovered. I want to be completely smitten by talking to God. Yeah. Yeah. You know, me too, Bill. I, I've always admired people that uh, were sort of those true prayer warriors, if we use that phrase to describe the kind of person who they, they just seem to have a, a natural capacity to enter in and out of prayer in a really ready and easy basis. And they do seem to have a real vibrant relationship with God as a result of that. And and admittedly, that that can be a practice that is, has been somewhat foreign to me in my life in terms of what does it mean to cultivate the kind of prayer life where you do feel that intimacy, you do sense that you're in step and in tune with, with who God is and what God is up to in this world. And, and how do you have reliable means of access? I think it's one of the questions that not just you and I have, but as I've been teaching in, in classes over these years or maybe being involved in ministry in churches, that I think it's a really common question for a lot of people that would like to say, how could I deepen and, and, and broaden mm. my prayer life? Amen to that. And our ability to approach and, and, and gain access to God comes through Jesus Christ. Of course. So that is the, the place we want to start. But I think if we're going to have a series on prayer, I think it's probably good to begin with prayer and then bring on Daryl. Great idea. Cool. All right. God, you are in control of our lives and our history. So help us not to walk in fear. Um, If you are going with us, how can our world be rattled? You're present, you're listening, and you are capable of doing anything. How can we not fall to our knees and surrender and submission? Who will ever love us the way you do? Jesus, you're my absolute best friend on this earth by far, the deepest desire that I have. No word I say to you goes unheard. My total trust and confidence is in you. Help our intimacy with you as we study your word and enjoy you with all of our heart. Help us to grow in our understanding of prayer. Help us all to gain fresh insights to this amazing, amazing communication with you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. All right. uh, Our guest doesn't need a lot of introduction, but I'd like to give some. Um, I'm going to read his um, resume, and that should take about another 45 minutes. I always get terribly insecure (laughs) when you do this, yes. (laughs) (laughs) No, he's such an impressive, uh, such impressive impressive resume. I'll just send you to justthinking.me, and you can read all about it. But Daryl B. Harrison uh, 
is the um, as dean of social media at Grace to You. It's the uh, teaching Bible teaching ministry of John MacArthur in California. Daryl, welcome back to the show. Bill, Peter, how are you guys doing? We're doing awesome. <laughs> Daryl, great to hear your voice. We're just doing awesome. Fantastic. It's great to be with you both again, brothers and friends. I appreciate the invitation to come back on and, and talk about prayer with you. Well, because it's kind of a, a, a blank slate, we're going to start um, just by talking about some goals that we have and some things that we hope to cover. And we most want to learn what you've learned over your decades as a believer and how your prayer life has been shaped. And we want to learn from each other on this series. So, so and glad I, you're taking part and, of it. And, and with that in mind, with those goals in mind, Bill, may I start with a confession? Please. please first. Please. Um, I, I was listening to you and Peter there before you all brought me on the air. And, Bill, you use words like recharge and recalibrate. And Peter was talking about how, uh, uh, how we might feel, use prayer to feel the intimacy of God. And I was like, man, this is, this is so good, Lord, because— Part of the draw for me to talk about this topic with both of you is because this is an area of my own personal spiritual walk that I've struggled with for years. Mm-hmm. So, so uh, you know, and I think, Peter, when, when, when you talk about how uh, uh, prayer and the connection with our emotions and feelings, you know, I'm reminded of a quote by Charles Haddon Spurgeon in the sermon he preached back in August of 1884 titled The Glory in the Rear, and Spurgeon in that sermon said, the Lord, may, the Lord may be very close to you, dear child, when you can't see him, perhaps even closer than ever he was when you could see him. The presence of God is not to be measured by the realization of it, unquote. And I thought that was, those are important words by Spurgeon, because I think a lot of times um, we get disappointed, we get discouraged in our prayer life because we equate the efficaciousness of prayer with how we feel. If, if we feel God hears us, if we feel God is close to us, if we feel a certain level of intimacy with God to the degree that we do or don't, our prayer life tends to fluctuate accordingly. I don't know if that makes sense, but but uh, but that's what came to mind as I was listening to you both. So I, I thank you guys for sharing that. Well, uh, Daryl, not only does it make a ton of sense, yeah, but I instantly appreciate your vulnerability of just sharing with us and listeners how it's a struggle because I have a feeling this is going to hit home with a lot of people in the struggle department. Yeah. And and I think too, Daryl, just that idea that you referenced, if I got that correctly, is that if we make an association that our prayer is somehow more effective, or I think you use the word efficacious, if we're also at the same time experience a sense of intimacy with God, it doesn't necessarily mean we don't want and desire and long for that intimacy, but perhaps if we measure our prayer effectiveness by whether we really feel that we entered it into this real intimate time with God, that maybe we're missing the point and, and could potentially even be making an idol out of the intimacy itself as opposed to entering into the prayer. Yeah, that's an excellent point, Peter. I completely agree with you there. And I think about what you just said there in light of what Jesus said in Matthew chapter 6, verse 8. And I think this should give all of us comfort. I'm not saying it does all the time, because listen, life happens. This is a uh, this is a very sinful world. It's a very dangerous world. We are confronted every day with the unexpected. Uh, but in light of what Jesus says here in Matthew chapter 6, verse 8, he says, for your father knows what you need before you ask him. Uh, so I think that's a matter of fact, I would go on to say, if, if I may say this, I think if, if there's anyone listening to me right now who 
is struggling in, in their prayer life, who, who desires a more uh, deep, a more intimate prayer relationship, because prayer is a relationship. It's, it's, it's not just something that's, that's static and cold and uh, 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 not tangible in the sense that you should always feel like you're emotionally like you're, you're connecting with God, but it's, it's something that's, that's fluid, something that's, that's, that, that, that's vital to us. Please take confidence in studying Matthew 6. I would, I would refer you to Matthew 6 to study it, study it, study it, study it, and then take confidence in these words of Jesus in verse 8, that your Father knows what you need before you ask Him. And I think that those words from Jesus are important because we need to understand that Prayer is for us. It's not for God. God already knows what's on your heart. He already knows what's on your mind. He already knows your fears, your anxieties. He knows that already. Uh, so when we come to him with those, number one, be confident that you can come to God with those. And then as you come to God with those, please understand that you're not telling God anything new. You're not telling him anything that he doesn't already know. So take confidence in that, that he already knows what you're coming to him with. So feel free to share with him openly and be truthful and clear and transparent and invisible with God because he already knows what's, what's burdening you. Uh, that's really, really strong, Daryl. Thank you for that. That's, um, I love that. So if you are unaware of the, the depth of your sin and depravity, uh, how can you also at the same time be aware of the absolute mind-blowing majesty and power of God? That's an excellent question, Bill, and I don't know that I have uh, one uh, way to answer that question. I would just say this, you know, as, as you were voicing that question, the first thing that came to my mind was that Scripture teaches that if we have unrepentant sin in our life, that we should not expect God to hear or answer our prayer. Um our sin, Scripture tells us, our sin has separated us from God. Um, and I think anyone who is truly regenerate, uh, Scripture is clear that the Holy Spirit dwells within that person. So an, a, a regenerate person cannot, number one, habitually sin. That's First John chapter 3, uh, because the Holy Spirit rests within that person, resides within that person, abides within that person. So biblically and scripturally, it is impossible for a truly regenerate believer to sin habitually as a lifestyle, all right, deliberately, premeditatedly. That is antithetical to what a truly regenerate Christian does. And I say all that to say that a truly regenerate Christian is always going to be convicted of their sin. Hmm. They're always going to be convicted of sin in their life because that's one of the roles that the Holy Spirit fills within us. He convicts us of sin. Uh, the only person who is never conscious of their sin is an unbeliever, is a person who doesn't have the Holy Spirit residing in them. Uh, and that person, according to John 3.36, is still under the wrath of God. So the, the connection to uh, our awareness of God's presence is directly, I think, tied to the degree to which we are consistent in repenting and confessing of our sin. Mm-hmm. Daryl, I jotted this passage down from Psalm 66 a little bit earlier in the day, and it said, if I cherished sin, if I had cherished sin in my heart, the Lord would not have listened, but God has surely listened and has heard my prayer. 
I'll let you chew on that over the break. Our, our guest is Daryl B. Harrison, and we're starting a brand new series on prayer. We're always open to your your input, your questions, your comments. Uh, we're going to be doing this for at least 10 weeks. Um, Dr. Peter Kapsner and myself will be co-hosting this, and let us know what comments or questions you have for us or for Daryl, 877-933-2484. Be right back. On a new series on prayer, Dr. Peter Kapsner and myself, our special guest is Daryl B. Harrison. Just got a nice comment, Daryl, from a listener that said, Daryl, exclamation mark, I love listening to Daryl in Omaha on Just Thinking for Myself. Wow. Well, thank you so much for listening. We appreciate it very, very much. We just had a new episode that we released today, a special pre-election episode that we titled The Doctrine of Elections. Uh, that's available now. This episode 105, and uh, we hope your listeners will go out to JustThinking.me and uh, listen to that. One. Yes, they have permission to go listen to that after they've listened <laughs> to every one of my podcasts. <laughs> <laughs> I want to get to that back to that question, Daryl, on Psalm 66. But I want to jump in with a listener comment. One of the reasons I struggle with prayer is because I often don't know exactly what to say, and I have this fear of being repetitious. Mm. Yeah, that's an awesome question and confession all in one. I and agree. I think, you know, for for the believer, I'll tell you, you 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 talk about prayer and it's multiple layers and you think about uh how God loves us so much that we don't have to be concerned with saying the right thing. Uh right? Because scripture teaches us that the Holy Spirit intercedes for us and sort of takes what our futile uh hearts and minds can conjure up and put together and construct uh, in the form of a prayer and take that and make that effectual, uh, even though we feel uh, incapable or uh, 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 really just porous in our own uh, own prayer life. You know, I'm reminded as I uh, contemplate that question that was just posed of the uh, uh, early 20th century uh, uh, preacher by the name of uh, Edward McKendry Bounds, uh, we know him as E.M. Bounds. E.M. Bounds, arguably, is the foremost Christian authority on the subject of prayer. And uh, he said in his book, Purpose and Prayer, he said that there's a feeling that when a man prays, he is doing nothing. And I think uh, uh, I would encourage that, that, that questioner to never lose sight of the fact that when you pray, it is not you who has to make your prayer effectual. Okay, there's the Holy Spirit that does that. So it's, well, I think what God cares most about is the motive, is the motive of your prayer, the motive of the words you speak, the words you utter. Are they coming from a place of purity in your heart? Okay, mm-hmm. are, are your words proceeding from a place of pure motive? Even though your words may not be perfect, as you may want to form them, do not put that yoke upon yourself. Do not take on that weight of thinking that my words have to be perfect, they have to be in the right order, they have to be even enunciated properly, because that is not your job. Just understand that God knows what you need before you ask Him. And what He's most concerned about is, 
the place in your heart that those words come from. Are they coming from a pure place? Then you can rest assured that God will hear and honor your prayer. All right, Daryl, let me jump back to Psalm 66, verses 18 and 19. If I had cherished sin in my heart, the Lord would not have listened, but God has surely listened and heard my prayer. It seems that it's uh, pretty important to be fully confessed um, and ask God for forgiveness as you come to him in prayer. Yeah, because, Daryl, I was thinking about it, too, you know, just in the structure of a relationship with a friend, right? I mean, if, if you're living in deceit, for example, with a friend, it's sort of just ever before you. you it, it, it completely tinges everything about the relationship, and you can't actually have a, a, an authentic, free relationship with another person if there's unconfessed sin in, the, in that way. I think we probably all have, have experienced that on some level in life, and it's really no different than we're talking about here with God, that if we're sitting there with unconfessed sin, it's going to just sort of stand in the way of an authentic interaction. Yeah, uh, Peter, that's an excellent point. You're reminding me of a comment I made to someone who uh, posted a question on Twitter uh, yesterday. Uh, this person, uh, who was a woman, said, "You know, what, what was the best? Ma- what is the best marriage advice you could give to someone who's about to be married?" Well, my reply was, to that was, "Do not get in the habit of keeping secrets. Don't get in the habit of keeping secrets." And I think I loved your emphasis on the word sin. You you use the word sin repeatedly there, Peter. And I'm I'm, I'm thinking about marriage relationships, but, but obviously this applies to any human relationship where we are uh, invested to whatever degree, uh, I think we need to get into the habit as believers of calling sin, sin. Stop calling them mistakes or faux pas or, per, or, or peccadillos or predilections. I think we need to we need to get in the habit of calling them what the Bible calls them, and they're, they're called sins. So, uh, and by doing that, we, we get to practice what God commands us to do. That is to confess your sins with, to one another. That's what the Scriptures command us to do. To confess your sins, confess your sins to one another, um, and and we need to to start using the language of confession. Uh, call them sins and, and confess to your to your spouse, confess to your friends, con- confess to your family members. Hey, I sinned against you, and this is what I did. Uh, you know, uh, Bill, you talk about Psalm sixty six, and I'm looking at that right now, and I look at verse eight uh, eighteen. If I regard wickedness in my heart, the Lord will not hear. You know, this may sound really weird to your listeners, but one of my favorite Bible study habits is to study what I what I call the big sinners in the Bible. I like to study about the big sinners in the Bible because usually when I sin, I tend to sin pretty big. I, I tend to get my money's worth when I sin. <laughs> I've always known that about you, Daryl. <laughs> I, like I like to study guys like David, Samson, and, and Abraham. And I like to study the really big sins of God's people uh, and the stories are, around those uh Sinners uh, in the Bible, so I don't think we should shy away uh, from studying characters within Scripture who sinned really big, and and how how they dealt with their own sin, how God dealt with them when they confessed their sin and, and when they didn't. And uh, I think I relate most closely to to David because some of the same things that trip David up, I tend to be weaknesses in my own life. So I appreciate Bill, you coming to Psalm sixty six verses 18 and 19. I'm reading from the NESB here. It says, if I regard weakness in my heart, the Lord will not hear. And I think that verse is important because it it really, that one verse diffuses a lot of myths that we have about God, Uh, namely that God hears the prayer of everyone. Okay, but uh, this verse in Psalm 66, 18, 
clearly establishes sort of a, a line of demarcation where you have a conditional promise here. You have a conditional negative promise that is the psalmist is saying, if I regard wickedness in, wickedness in my heart, the Lord will not hear me. So if you're holding on to, to a sin, you know you sinned, but you're holding on to it and you refuse to repent, you refuse to confess, you refuse to make that situation right, either between you and God, because all sin is ultimately against God. Uh, but uh, even in situations that involve other people, you can rest assured God's not going to hear your prayer. He says it right here. He's not going to hear you. So that is a conditional negative promise. God promises that if you regard iniquity in your heart, he is not going to hear you. And it just and it's such an incredible wording, Daryl. And, and the, the flip side of that is then David saying in Psalm 51 where he says, but Here's the deal. I I know my transgressions, he writes, and my sin is ever before me. Against you, you only have I sinned and done what you mean. The humility that he's showing as he's coming to God in the midst of his own sin is really a model in some ways for how we can deal with that. Yeah, you mentioned the key word there, Peter. I think the key word is humility, right? It's the opposite of what it's the opposite of what causes us to sin to begin with. His pride causes us to sin. Pride is the is the soil that feeds all sin. I don't care how minute or how minuscule we may describe that sin uh, to be or consider that sin to be, pride is what gives fruit and impetus to our sin. And in the, in the inverse, humility is what brings us to a position of repentance. It brings us to a position of of becoming prostrate in our heart before God and realizing that regardless of who in this world we had, uh, who, who in this world was on the receiving end of our sinful words or actions or behaviors, like I said just a second ago, ultimately all of our sin is against God, and we have to uh, to uh, be able to uh, re- realize that in that moment when we sin, and 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 even in our uh, uh, awareness of that sin. Pray right then. We're talking about prayer. So pray right then, Lord, give me a heart to be able to genuinely bow myself before you and confess and repent of this sin and turn away from it um, so that my relationship with you, O Lord, will be corrected and my relationship with those who I have sinned against here uh, may be corrected as well and healed. All right, we're going to take a little break. Daryl B. Harrison is our very special guest. Dr. Peter Capster and I are doing a series on prayer. This is our first uh, our first episode And we're excited about what's ahead. We're going to learn a lot. I know we're both uh, excited to continue this uh, for a long time because it's a topic that we never get tired of talking about. If you have a question or a comment or something you'd like to add to the discussion, let me know what it is. You can send a text to 877-933-2484. Again, 877-933-2484. about prayer. We're going to be doing this on Wednesdays, 5 o'clock Central Time with Dr. Peter Kapsner. And we're going to invite a special guest in every week. Our opening special guest is Daryl B. Harrison. And uh, we're praying about the series during the break. We're praying because we're going to always be praying now. <laughs> and Peter, uh, something you said, uh, I'll ask you to defend. Uh, listener said, can you help me understand what you mean by an idol out of intimacy? 
isn't intimacy with God the one thing you can't over-pursue? Mm, yeah, boy, that's a great question and, and a great opportunity for some clarification. And Daryl, jump in on this too. But I think what what we were intending to say in those moments was the idea that the the sometimes very real uh, feeling of intimacy, and, and maybe let's use the example of comfort. I mean, there's been times in my life when um, some devastation has been has been wreaked, and, and my soul is really uh, restless and hurt, and you know all those sorts of things. And and God's comfort becomes a very real sense of comfort. I mean, it actually is sort of like physiologically plays over your body. You can, you can feel that comfort. And, and I think what we're talking about here is that intimacy with God. Yes, we pursue that all day long, but sometimes the feelings associated with that intimacy may or may not be there. And we can make almost an idol out of the feeling as opposed to the idea that I'm in an intimate relationship with God, even if I can't feel his presence in a given moment. Yeah, I think, uh, Peter, I think you nailed it right there. Matter of fact, you're tracking along the same lines of thought as as, as I am. You know, first question, first thought, rather, that came to my mind when I heard the question uh, that was asked about that is that what you're looking at, who, who, who defines what intimacy is? Yeah. Okay, so how, who, who, it's such a subjective uh, construct when you think about it. So, because they're, they're, you know, what's intimacy for you is not intimacy for me. I, I think the the the, uh, the the scriptures teach us right that we ought to draw near to God and He will draw near to us. I think the 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 best way to uh, pursue intimacy, intimacy, for lack of a better word, is through obedience. It's through obedience, and I think. As we obey God, the, the more consistent we are in obeying God and, our, and, and in our desire to obey Him, we, we're going to draw closer to God, and then God gets to determine what that intimacy looks like. So I, I fully understand the, the question that you asked—I'm sorry, the comment that you made, Peter, before the break, and I understand also the question that's being posed. However, um, I, I can't actually see how— pursuit of intimacy can become an idol, especially when there's no definitive, objective standard of what that intimacy looks like. Uh, So we need to be careful to not make pursuit of intimacy a replacement for our pursuit of God and who He is. See, who God is, is objective. That's been established clearly in Scripture. Intimacy, though, is subjective, and that's going to be different uh, based on on whoever the individual is. So let's pursue God and then leave the intimacy and the closeness uh, piece to God himself and how how God may choose to manifest that in your life. Nice. Peter, I think you had a question, too, um, and I've already forgotten what it is. (laughs) It's not that I'm not focused, but... Yeah, no, I was just thinking, we were talking a little bit during the break, uh, and Daryl, going back to some of the the conversations that we were having just before the break about the idea of having sin in our life that can really stand in the way from uh, any sort of interchange with God in in our prayer life. And I'm curious what your thoughts might be about the idea of of unknown unrepentant sin. It's one thing to have a known sin in your mind and in your heart, and you know it's sort of standing in the way, but there are those sins of which, you know, we're not even meant to discern our own hearts in terms of what's all in there. So so what is the role of of coming to God and maybe even asking God to reveal things in the heart or just different things that are that are sinful of which you're not aware in your prayer life. Yeah, you know, as I listen to you, Peter, I guess the first thing that came to my mind, I was thinking about Martin Luther, right, and all the hours upon hours that he was spending in prayer when he was a monk, right? He was yeah. trying to, you know, navigate and work through, you know, how, 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 how can I serve God? How can I, how can I find God? How can I be 
connected with God. And, and Luther would spend all these hours upon hours in prayer confessing his sins and, and reconfessing sins and <laughs> things of that nature. So I think uh, I think the answer to the question is intrinsic to the question that you pose, Peter, because if 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 we're if we're uh, convicted or concerned that there may be uh, uh, unknown sin in our heart, unknown sin in our life that we uh, have not confessed and repented of because we, we don't we don't know that we've committed them. Uh, I think a good model to follow is the model of David in Psalm 51. I love what David said in his uh, part of his confession in Psalm 51 out of his uh, the sin that he committed with Bathsheba. He confessed uh, that that God would not. Uh, let him be subject to premeditated sins. So go to God, uh, go to God, and 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 confess, uh, Peter. I think you you worded it perfectly. Just go to God and ask God, Lord, reveal to me if there is any sin in my life that I am not aware of. Please reveal that to me. Reveal that to me specifically, so that I can repent specifically. And and what I love about, uh, like I was saying earlier, about the big sinners in the Bible. When they repented, and repentance is a very deliberate, it is a volitional, but it is also a very specific act. True repentance is not a general generalization of a wrong that you've committed. True repentance and confession is to be very specific about the sin you've committed. But but there may be times when you may sense that you've you've uh, committed a sin. Uh, uh, and you're not necessarily sure of, of the specificity of it, or you may not be aware of it at all. Go to God and say that to Him, and God will answer that prayer. You know, I'm looking at First John chapter five, verse fourteen right now. It says, "This is the confidence which we have before Him that if we have that that if we ask anything according to His will, He hears us." Verse fifteen says, "And if we know." that he hears us in whatever we ask, we know that we have the request which we have asked from him. So again, that goes back to motive again. If you if you if you're convicted that your motive is pure, go to the Lord, ask him to reveal those unknown sins to you, and he will do that. He will honor that prayer and then your obligation at that point is to confess, repent, make those situations right right where it's necessary and then move on. Daryl, Peter, let me ask you this. Have you ever said to God, Lord, would you come to me in a fresh way? And what do you think about that uh, position? Is that something like where a friend says, we should get together sometime. You call me. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, just speaking for myself, Bill, I've never prayed that prayer using those words. I tend to to put up a red flag when I hear those uh, words because, listen, and, and the reason is, no offense to any of your listeners who who have used those words in the prayer uh, prayer in their own lives, but when we look at Scripture, right, we know that God is immutable. God doesn't change. We know that Scripture teaches us that Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. So the manner in which God is going to reveal himself to us is going to be consistent with his nature, not with what we want. Okay, so we need to be really careful with that. God is going to be true to his character and his nature. And if we want to uh, have any idea, any concept of how God uh, relates to us, interacts to us, interacts with us, rather, all we need to do is look to God's word and study how God uh, uh, relates to his people. He, he relates to his people primarily through his word and through the Holy Spirit who, that in, who indwells us. 
So we need to be really, really careful in uh, um, um, sort of uh, filtering and vetting uh, our desire for God to show himself to us in a quote-unquote fresh fresh way. Because mm-hmm. to be honest with you, we may not like that fresh way in which God shows himself <laughs> to us. So uh, let, let's not assume that that fresh way is always going to be a way, a, a way or in a manner that we uh, w- would welcome or expect. Uh, God may show himself to you in a fresh way by allowing adversity into your life. Uh, so, so let's be careful about that. <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, I, I haven't ever prayed those specific words either. I think I, where I may be able to at least sympathize to some degree with it uh, is the idea of there's been certain seasons of my life as a believer over 30 plus years now where there, there's just this sense of passion, energy. There, there's sort of a get up in the morning. There's, a, there's an on fire to use some of this language about the kingdom uh, in terms of I, I feel real passion about it. And other times I feel terribly hollowed out and um, pretty empty, somewhat alone, uh, entire lack of motivation, those sorts of things. And and so I think, Daryl, in those places, when, when I am in those somewhat sometimes very long seasons of feeling hollowed out in my faith, there's, I think, this cry out that says, hey, I want to feel that passion, energy, desire, flame again in, in some of that. And that's maybe even, again, a very understandable desire, but we have to take care that that doesn't become the model that can become an idol, that as long as I'm feeling passionate, that I, my faith must be just in this grand place. Well, it can be a very confusing place in those in those times as well. So I don't know what you would say about that, about the idea of when you're feeling hollowed out and prayer seems empty and, and you just don't really have any specific motivation to do anything, you know, where are some of the invitations in that? Yeah, again, that's, that's a great question, Peter. And as I listen to you uh, frame that question, I think about Jesus in his uh, prayer in the Garden of Gethsemane, uh, you know, and, 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 and his uh, 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 encounter with the disciples where they went to sleep on him, uh, you know, three times. <laughs> and, uh, uh, and, and I think... Uh, I think we need to remind ourselves of situations like that, that we're only human, okay? Uh, we, we know uh, that Scripture teaches that God created us from the dust and uh, uh, that we remain dust, and when we die, we're going to return uh, to the dust. So I think it's important for uh, believers to remind uh, ourselves who is God and who isn't. Uh, we are not God. There, there, there's no admonition in Scripture, no exhortation in Scripture at all for us to pretend like we're super Christians. You know, we we, we wear the big red cape on our back <laughs> with a big C on the back, right? And, and, uh, and the, the superhero music is playing as we go about our business day to day. No, we get tired. We get tired. We get angry. We get uh, we get frustrated. Uh, we get flustered. Uh, uh, but remember. Uh, uh, in John fifteen five, Jesus says, for apart from me, you can do nothing. And that means nothing. The Greek word for that is nothing. You can do nothing. And to ju- just remember who sustains you, who is, who is empowering you. Because when, when we, when, when, when we ask, uh, when we ask for, for fresh filling, refilling of the Holy, I, I get what I, I understand fully what people mean by that. But just remember fires go out. Fires go out. There, there are no eternal flames, okay, in this world. So just remember who it is who sustains you and where you need to go, to whom you need to go to get, uh, uh, as you said earlier, Bill, at the top of this conversation, to, to, to whom you need to go to get recharged, mm-hmm. to get recalibrated. The recharging is done by the Holy Spirit. The recalibrating is done by the Holy Spirit. And just understand that the Holy Spirit is already living within you. 
you don't get you you're not going to get any more of the Holy Spirit than you already have. Okay, the, the the power is there already within you. You just need to avail yourself of it. But remember that God understands that you are but flesh. He's the one who created you. Remember, so He understands that. So just just go in the strength and the confidence that God is going to be with you, and that should be more than enough to get you through uh, uh, your everyday encounters in this life. I'll throw this out to both of you, then we'll take a little break. Does God hearing prayer change when you're going through divorce and haven't treated your spouse like you should? Well, I think uh, if I understood the question correctly, and, and, and set me straight here, Bill, if I didn't. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, it, it, so the question is, does, does God hearing our prayer change if we're going through a divorce situation and we haven't treated our spouse as we should? Yes, that's the question. Yeah, wow. you understood yeah, well, that correctly, yeah. Daryl. Yeah, okay. So so we kind, of, we kind of touched on that earlier, whereby, you know, if there's unconfessed sin, you know, this goes back to Psalm 66, Bill, that you brought up. I think this goes back to what we were discussing there in the context of Psalm 66, where there, if there is confessed sin in your life, or rather unconfessed sin, if there's unconfessed sin in your life, you can rest assured God is not going to hear you. Now, that that, that doesn't change how he hears you, because he already tells you in that passage in Psalm 66, 18, that he's not going to hear you. If you regard unconfessed sin in your heart and refuse to deal with that, I, I don't care if it's a divorce situation or whatever the situation may m- might be, you know, speaking of prayer, you need to pray. If that's your situation, if you have unconfessed, prideful sin in your life, your heart, your heart is hardened against the spouse that you're in this situation with, that is no excuse. Mm. For you to not confess your sin, because, again, you need to submit yourself to what you know the Word of God says. You know what the Word of God says about confessing your sin. You need to ask God to tear down this wall of pride uh, that is within you. Whatever reasoning you have for uh, saying you may have a right to feel this way against this spouse, or you may have a right to have done this thing against your spouse, you have no right uh, for that, because you have no rights whatsoever when you consider the sin, that that it is our sin that put Christ on the cross. Okay, so that needs to that wall of pride and resistance needs to come down, and you need to pray that God would would tear that down, uh, so that you can confess whatever sins that might be involved here, and uh, uh, at least to that extent, uh, have uh, your relationship with the Lord restored. Number one, and then to whatever degree your spouse responds to your confession, that that relationship can be restored as well, even though it may not lead to a reuniting of the two of you, at least you will have done what God has obligated you to do in that situation. So wise, Darrell. And approaching the spouse in humility could be the posture God wants us to adopt. Yeah, exactly. That's a great point, uh, uh, Bill. You know, I was uh, thinking about... uh, uh, humility, uh, and I would venture to say that if I were to be asked, you know, what was the one characteristic of Jesus Christ that stands out to you during his earthly ministry, I would have to say Christ's humility. Mm-hmm. Christ's humility. You know, it, it, we, we know from Hebrews it says that Christ, for the joy set before him, endured the cross, despising the shame. Christ despised the shame for the sake of obe- obeying his Father. That's what he did, and that is the model that he has established for all of us 
who profess to be followers of his. Mm -hmm. Take a little break. Daryl B. Harrison is our guest. We're on our series on prayer with Dr. Peter Kapsher. We'll take a break. We'll be right back. Welcome back to the show. Daryl B. Harrison is our guest. You can always head to justthinking.me to learn more about Daryl. Here is his awesome podcast, justthinking.me. We should get Virgil on the show sometime, too. What do you think? Oh, you should, you know, if you really want to start some trouble, you should have a boat <laughs> <laughs> oh, You guys are great. You just booked yourself, yeah, my friend. Yeah, you guys are great together, no yeah, question. You just booked yourself. All right, uh, what about... Uh, the difference between public and private prayer. Some people are freak out when it comes to public prayer, or they don't know if they're good enough, and they're going to feel like they're being judged, but they're different when they're private. Yeah, I'd be curious, Daryl, for you, what you'd say about that, because, you know, being in pastoral ministry, you know, you start to get called on at meals, you know, the pastor guy's got to pray, and that's just not ever been something that I've been super comfortable with, quite frankly. Yeah, I I share that that sentiment with you. Well, you know, people may... People may think differently who li- who have listened to our, our podcast or who maybe have been in attendance when I've uh, been speaking somewhere. But I'm I'm pretty much an introvert. I would rather be mm-hmm. in the background and not be out front. And uh, you know, be- being able uh, being asked to to publicly pray is one of those times. I think the thing again that we need to be careful about is the one thing Jesus warned us against. Right? Is 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 being is, is offering prayers in order to get attention for ourselves. Mm. Okay, so so again, we're talking motive again. I hate to keep uh, reiterating that and coming back to that, but I, 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 I it, it's just our conversation keeps bringing us back to this question of motive, this idea of motive. So, and again, uh, two things: make sure your motive. You're asked to pray in public, or if you feel moved to pray in public, okay, just make sure that your your prayer is not coming from a place of of self attention and 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 bringing the the spotlight onto yourself. And uh, the, the words that you're speaking, uh, you know, that, that you're not motivated to to show off or, or or demonstrate to someone, hey, I know how to pray. You know, don't 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 ever let that be a motive. Uh, if you're ever asked to pray in public, or if you ever feel moved to pray uh, in public, and then secondly, again, just remind yourself, like we said earlier. That uh, that it's the Holy Spirit who's going to give you the words to say. So don't uh, don't measure your prayer on a curve. Okay. Mm-hmm. Don't, don't measure your prayer by the, the how voluminous you were, how how uh, how uh, how multisyllabic your words were. Right. You know Jesus warns against that. Uh, uh, so so uh, again, humility is the word. Humility. I, I heard I heard Paul Washer. Paul Washer spoke uh, at uh, Grace Community Church a, a few Sunday nights ago, and after he preached. The prayer that he gave after his sermon was done, before he stepped down from the pulpit, his prayer was simply this. He said, Lord, help your people. Amen. Now, that was a very powerful but very succinct prayer. As long as the prayer is given from a uh, standpoint of pure motive, Mm. it can be as few words as that, and, and the Lord will do wonders, will work wonders from those few words. Yeah, I think, Daryl, as you're talking, it just it called to mind a passage from Matthew 23 in which Jesus is, is critiquing the religious leaders of the day when he says, basically, don't don't practice how they practice their exactly. their lives in public. Everything they do is for show, he says. On their arms, they wear extra-wide prayer boxes with scripture verses mm-hmm. inside, and they wear robes with extra-long tassels. 
they love to sit at the head table at banquets and in the seats of honor in the synagogues. And that seems to be the kind of warning and admonition you're saying, yeah, we need yes, to stay away from that, exactly. that version. Exactly. Right. Exactly, Peter. Thank you. So when that powerful prayer that Paul Washer prayed, um, so if you don't pray in Jesus' name, does it still count? Oh, my gosh. This is a question I've had for a very long time. Oh, well, I mean, <laughs> yes. I'm sure it does, but yeah. I'm just asking Daryl. Yeah, yeah. Or you. Well, no, yeah. no, no, this is Daryl's question, clearly. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I, I was going to toss that back to Peter. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's a good game of ping pong. Or, I heard your name, Daryl. Or, or get Virgil on the line. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so, no, that, that's a question that comes up a lot, a lot. And I think what people need to understand is that uh, when, when, uh, when, when, when Jesus says, when you ask anything in my name, you know, the, the, it, it, he's not saying that you need to append those specific words to the end of your prayer. That's not what that. That's what. Not, that's not what that means. Mm. What we are to do is, is we are to pray as 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 much as we're able to discern. We are to to pray in God's will. Our prayer should be should consist of requests. Not only requests, but when we make requests, those requests should be. Uh, uh, in, 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 uh, construed within a framework of what we want God's will to be. Okay, so that's what that means when we say in Jesus' name. We're, we're basically saying in accordance with Christ's will through uh, your uh, your Son, uh, our Lord, my Lord and Savior, through what His will is uh, uh, in this request, um, I am asking this of you. So, so even if we, when we don't append those words, it's not going to make the, you know, this this isn't pixie dust that we're talking about. So it's not mm-hmm. going to make the prayer less magical. Okay, it's not going to make the prayer less effectual because if 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 God working in our lives was predicated upon the uh, the tightness or the uh, perfection of our prayers. I don't know that I'd ever get a prayer answer because, again, I'm speaking to you as someone who has struggled in this area. Mm-hmm. I've struggled in this area, so, um, uh, so, so no, don't don't get weighed down so as to think, oh no, I didn't say in Christ's name. Let me go back and say that. No, that's not that's not how prayer works. Uh, so what that what what that means is that you you just want to be in, in God's will. Um, you know, I, I love uh, Shadrach and Meshach and Abednego in Daniel three, uh, and, and this is this is the type of maturity I want to have one day, where they told King Nebuchadnezzar, "Listen, we're, we're confident that God will deliver us from this flaming furnace, but even if He does not, see this, this this is this is where you want to get in your prayer life. You want to get so mature in your prayer life. You you want to get so mature in your uh, and, and the sanctification of your prayers that you can pray something and say, Lord, even if you don't do this, my faith is not going to be impacted. I'm still going to trust you. I'm still going to walk in obedience to you. Yeah, that's so helpful because I really have heard the idea, uh, sort of a, a, an analogy that if you don't use that phrase in Jesus's name, it's like you forgot to put the stamp on the envelope. And so it sort of just sits in the mailbox and doesn't get delivered. But But you're talking yeah. about something very different here. Yeah, indeed. You know, I, I love that analogy of it just sits in the mailbox and doesn't get delivered. It, you know, it's not like prayer isn't a piece of mail where if you don't put the stamp on it, you know, God will never get it. <laughs> you know, so that that's that's not it. You know, like we said in Matthew 6, this is why I want to reiterate again, encourage you to, your listeners, uh, Bill, to go study Matthew 6 and okay. park right there. Yeah. Verse 8, God already knows what you need before you ask him. Mm, yeah. 
All right, Daryl, do you and uh, Virgil want to come on? We'd love to, I bro. Mean, just let w- me know when. I'll set it up. Yeah, we just scratched the surface. I have so many more questions coming in. Uh, I want to do the uh, prayer series for quite a while, and we might just do Daryl Daryl B. Part 2. I think that sounds great. Along with Virgil next time. Um, so maybe in a couple of weeks you can you can do it again. That works? We'd love to. We'll, we'll make it happen. Absolutely. All right. Awesome. Um, Daryl B. Harrison has been our guest, and you go to justthinking.me to learn more about Daryl and his amazing podcast. Peter, thank you. Yeah, it's great stuff from Daryl. A great kickoff to the series. It's so helpful. Yeah, and Daryl, thank you, and have a wonderful night with you and your family. You both. Take care. You bet. Thank you. That wraps up our show for the day. I have just had a blast. Peter, this has been so much yeah. fun. I'm so excited about uh, next Wednesday already. Yeah, that time just flew by. There's so many different places that we could have gone and, and did go. In fact, it was a really helpful starting point. Yes. Yeah. So thank you for listening. Thank you for spending time with me. I've loved being with you today. I hope you have a wonderful night as you lay your head on the pillow and know that God is working out his amazing plan in your life. Mm. I'll see you tomorrow.